I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Another episode of Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me for this episode is our longtime pal, Corey Hodgden. Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Rob. How you doing? I'm doing great. I said it's great to have you here. Uh, oh, you, have, have you been on any of our shows before? Is this your first podcast appearance? Uh, this is my first Fire and Water podcast appearance. Yeah, I mean, I had my own podcast a little while ago. Right, but, uh, right. wasn't wasn't part of your guys' uh, deal. So right, this is your, this is their debut on the network. Very exciting. Yeah, this is yeah. really cool. So, uh, yeah, Corey, cross it off my bucket list. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Uh, I'd like to see what the rest of that bucket list is then. Yeah, uh, right. but uh, <laughs> but uh, Corey's here to talk about the song Hurricane, which is the opening track from Bob's 1976 album desire there is a lot to say about this song there's a lot of history there's a lot of controversy it's a uh, one of the one of the songs that large looms large in the dylan canon but before we get to that as as i always do may ask someone who is new to the show like Corey, what's your history with with bob dylan's music like how do you come to it how much of a fan like what and like why this song oh well uh as far as bob dylan goes i'm more of a casual fan like i i know his hits uh, I know a little bit of deeper cuts, but mostly I'm introduced to him through cover songs. Um, but this song in particular, I was working at Dairy Queen a long, long time ago when I was a youngster. And uh, someone told me, oh, yeah, the best Bob Dylan song is Hurricane. And I'd never heard of it. Huh. So uh, he let me borrow the record and I listened to it. This is like in the probably mid-90s. And I was like, wow, that is a really good song. It has a lot to say, actually, so. I, I did not. I did not think that your history of the song "Hurricane" would involve Dairy Queen. That well, I like <laughs> not to throw a little surprise in there. <laughs> it did not. It did not occur to me. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah, this is this is a, a a terrific song. Like I said, it it leads off the album, the 1976 album "Desire." Uh, for anyone who doesn't isn't familiar with the song, this is a quote unquote protest song to, to you know, use a sort of reductive term for it. But this is based on a true story of the boxer Reuben hurricane Carter. Uh, some people are probably familiar with the movie starring Denzel Washington that came out around 2001, around 2000, 2001, which, yeah, um, yeah. And if you actually, it's funny, if you watch the trailer for hurricane, it literally opens with the words, here comes the story of the hurricane, which yeah. is the <laughs> refrain from this song. Um, right. This song is written by Bob Dylan and co-written by Jacques Levy. Uh, This was a collaboration where Dylan had, he pretty much wrote all of Desire with Jacques Levy. He felt after Blood on the Tracks, he wanted to apparently have a a record that sounded as far uh, away from Blood on the Tracks as possible. And he sure got that with Desire, because Desire doesn't sound anything like Blood on the Tracks. There there were songs on uh, Desire that feature up to like 10 or 15 musicians, uh, it's a very loose, rambling sound. It sort of led to the uh, Rolling Thunder review and very, very different from the spare acoustic sound of Blood on the Tracks. And one of the things that Jock Levy apparently influenced uh, Bob on was making these songs uh, sound like movies. These are these all these songs, for the most part, sound like movie plots. They have. A, well, he, wasn't he a uh, like a, a composer for like plays and stuff like that? 
Yeah, like he's that. a playwright. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, of course, you know, Levy was big on you know story structure, and this this song in particular opens up with the refrain with it. it it's incredibly evocative. The opening uh, the opening set of lyrics is pistol shots ring out in a barroom night. Enter Patty Valentine from the upper hall. She says the bartender on a pool of blood cries out, "My God, they've killed them all." Here comes the story of the hurricane, the man the authorities came to blame for something that he never done, put in a prison cell, but one time he could have been the champion of the world. And I mean, that is a grabber of yeah. an opening set of <laughs> lyrics. I mean, just here comes the story of the hurricane. And it, the song is played ridiculously up-tempo. So, I mean, this thing, even though it's something around seven or eight minutes, this thing moves like a train. And yeah, it doesn't just, seem like it's that long of a no, song. No, it really barrels through. And yeah. uh, this it tells the story of how Reuben Hurricane Carter was accused of murder, how he was, in Dylan's eyes, railroaded by the system. This happens all in Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, I'm not going to say Patterson is not my stomping grounds, but it's New Jersey. <laughs> it's right, it's right. my home state of New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, and it basically, you know, cries out for justice to be served in the case of Hurricane Carter. So, uh, yeah, so when you first heard the song, Corey, like, what what was it that grabbed you about it? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, the opening, uh, well, I guess, paragraph is what it looks like to me on the screen here. But no, the opening verse um, really did it. And I just love the lyrics. Like, it did tell a story. All good songs, I believe, have to tell a story for the most part. And this one is a great story. Um, or it tells a, a it does a good job telling a story. It's not a great story. I mean, not a pleasant kinda, story, sir. Yeah, no, no. But uh, and also, I liked um, just the way he sang it. Like, not all the words rhyme and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's basically he he's reading you a story, but he's also singing it at the same time, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, the song has a very sort of um, uh, the wordplay is very slippery, and in terms of like the rhyme schemes, the way. There are some rhymes that are put in the middle of lines, and then they right. they rhyme with a word later on in the song, as opposed to um, way you would traditionally hear of a song where it's you know the last word of each line rhymes. Here, right. sometimes you have rhymes buried in the middle of a line, and yeah. and like there's which a, is something that he does a lot, I think, mm-hmm. doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at times he when he really wants to sort of be sort of he he has that uh, that mode where you're kind of thrown off guard by that the structure isn't following what you typically would expect from a song. And right. like one of the, one of the verses in this song is, uh, and there's a lot of characters to keep track of. There's Patty Valentine. <laughs> and these are all real people. There's Patty Valentine yeah. who uh, eventually sued Dylan because, uh, oh, in, 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 yeah, in this song, he sort of alleges that she was in on the, the murder, which as you might expect, she found a bit yeah. offensive. Um, yes. She sued Dylan, and she ended up. Uh, the case was ended up being thrown out. But uh, but the, I was going to say it doesn't really. To me, it doesn't seem like um, she had anything to do with it. She just kind of stumbled in, and then it's you know Bello and the Bello other and Bra- Bello and Bradley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he absolutely seems to finger Bello and Bradley, and uh, yeah. apparently in the original version, uh, there was even a line about Bello and Bradley robbing the bodies. And apparently uh-huh. a Columbia Records heard that and said, we can't release this. We're going to get, you know, you won't just get sued, Bob. We're going to get sued. Yeah. And so that, yeah, I did read that. Somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And so he had to change. He had to change the lyrics a bit to, to, to 
to kind of like uh, soften it a little. But in terms of like the Ryan schemes, there's a, there's a great section here where it's Arthur Dexter Bradley said, and this Arthur Dexter Bradley is a, a supposedly a witness to this crime. And he says, Arthur Dexter Bradley said, I'm really not sure. The cop said, a poor boy like you could use a break. We got you for that motel job and we're talking to your friend Bello. Now you don't have to go to back to jail. Be a nice fellow. You'll be doing society a favor. That son of a bitch is brave and getting braver. We want to put his ass in stir. We want to pin this triple murder on him. He ain't no gentleman Jim. So it's like just that Lex section of we want to put his ass in stir. We want to pin this triple murder on him. He ain't no gentleman Jim. So he's got two different sets of rhymes all within basically nine or ten words. Yeah. Remarkable. It really yeah. it makes the song – Strangely, like sing alongable, <laughs> considering yeah. how dark yeah. this song is. I was gonna say for a song about a triple murder and and someone being uh, allegedly framed, it's <laughs> it is very catchy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's another part where Bob talks about that there's an all white jury, which was not factually correct. Uh, the jury was not all white, so Bob got that part wrong. And this is, you know, this is something where you kind of you have to wonder, you know, at what point do you separate the idea of this is just a great song and what I'm taking from it is more of a metaphorical cry for justice as opposed to getting bogged down in the details of, you know, he didn't get the case exactly right. Right. You know, I, mean, I mean, like when I first heard, I guess one of the things I, I picked out when I first heard it was uh, there is a lot of, um, well, number one, racism when it comes to the justice system. And number two, uh, people just, you know, we got to, pin this murder on someone. These two are here. Let's just do it. You know, that's, mm. and that's kind of an unfair thing going on today. And I, I think even, unfortunately, this song even kind of could ring true to some news items today, which uh, is kind of sad, but there's a section here re- regarding to what you're talking about. Uh, there's a section here. It says, meanwhile, far away in another part of town, Reuben Cotter and a couple of friends are driving around. Number one contender for the middleweight crown had no idea what kind of shit was about to go down when a cop pulled him over to the side of the road, just like the time before and the time before that. In Patterson, that's just the way things go. If you're black, you might as well want to show up on the street unless you want to draw the heat. That line about just like the time before and the time before that. You know, here's, this is 1975, and here's Bob yeah. singing about that if you're black and you're driving around, you're going to get pulled over, and you're going to get pulled over a lot. And you that know, happens in 2017 yeah, as well. We're, we're not in so. some parts of this country. We're not any further past that. And so, right. you know, that's one of those lines that at the time had a lot of relevance, I'm sure, to people listening to it. And you hear it now, and you go, sadly, this is still relevant. Yeah, still, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's interesting that uh, Bob uses a couple of four-letter words in this song, which is yeah. unusual <laughs> for him. He generally yeah. doesn't do that. But here he's he's he's... Well, I think he was angry about yeah. <laughs> the injustice of it, I would imagine. I would, uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, he really, I mean, for, for uh, you know, Bob Dylan in 1975 was at the peak of his, maybe not the peak of his popularity, but he was just coming off of uh, the Planet Waves album, which was a number one album, uh, a tour with the band, which was a hugely successful tour, and then Blood on the Tracks, which was considered one of uh, the best things he's ever done. I agree. So he was at a career high, and for him to sort of, put his career maybe not on the line that's probably an extreme version but but to you know to take risks like this for a guy who he perceived as being wronged you know that took a lot of guts it took yeah. a lot of guts for Dylan and especially to make it the lead track off of this album and it was a single it was the you know it was a, a single so after the Columbia Records said he got to rewrite it 
He wrote a couple. He wrote a couple of the passages. Went back and re-recorded it. Apparently, the original version uh, with those lyrics, which I've never heard, is a lot slower. This version is a stitch of two different takes that have been put together in the studio, and that's why it seems tends to go so fast. And this thing just kind of just really barrels through. And in terms of the sound, uh, you'll hear a lot of violin. On this record, yeah, which I love. I love the violin in this song, especially. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's not something you generally hear on Dylan songs, and yeah. that's that's the work of a violinist named Scarlett Rivera, who apparently how she met Dylan. This is an amazing story. She was literally just walking down the street in New York one day with a violin case, and Dylan was driving by, and, <laughs> and said, "Hey," and said, "Hey, do you want to be on my record?" <laughs> apparently, she was quite the looker, so I think that yeah. probably caught Bob's eye a little bit. Uh, but I mean, she was walking carrying this violin case and he basically leaned out and said hey do you want to be on my record you know and but, <laughs> what and so you know that was and she ended up doing the entire bob dylan album yeah. which is you, know, you always hear it, stuff like that but you don't know if it's true or not and then here something like this happens so. yeah amazing <laughs> so yeah i mean he really used her to, to great effect i mean this, yeah. this song is well it almost takes place of a chorus like uh they will sing a verse and then it'll go right into the violin stuff and then it'll go back into another verse that's true yeah, yeah. So. It's, it's, it's got a very, very distinct sound to it. And they said the, the song just chugs along. Uh, he does mention uh, the one of the lines I quoted about uh, he was the contender for the for the middleweight crown. He never was. He apparently was never more than ninth. But uh, who cares? I mean, well, I saw, I've, I've seen it. I saw an article that said that he did get a shot, but he lost. Right. <laughs> so. And I mean, that's a pretty minor detail when you think about yeah, that. Yeah. He's talking about it. And so uh, this eventually this song got a lot of uh, attention. Uh, Bob went on the Rolling Thunder Review. He uh, headlined a couple of concerts, which were benefit concerts for Ruben Hurricane Carter. There was one, apparently, that uh, Muhammad Ali attended, which is, you know... There's a picture yes, of Bob Dylan. There's, yeah, there's a picture of Bob Dylan and Muhammad Ali. You can Google it. It's which is just amazing. <laughs> like you know, see these two Titanic figures of history together. Yeah. Uh, but he raised money for Hurricane Carter. Uh, Carter was granted a second trial and apparently was convicted again. Yeah. Uh, and then later on in the '80s, uh, the a judge relooked at the case, determined that Hurricane Carter was in fact pretty much railroaded by the Patterson police and the his conviction was thrown out. And so he was released from prison yeah. uh, in the mid 80s. Then he moved to Canada, I believe. Uh, did he move to Canada? I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine not wanting to stay in New Jersey uh, no. after that, but I mean, he <laughs> suffered a long time in jail and then, you know, that some people suffering in prison who are wrongly convicted is an ongoing theme in a lot of Dylan songs. There's a lot of characters that are wrongly imprisoned. And that is something that, that weighs heavily on Dylan, at least as a songwriter is the idea of being paying the price for something you didn't do and yeah, this well, i think is that's of... a, a theme that everyone can can uh relate to because one bad like going to comic books i guess you go to killing joke one bad day can really screw you up <laughs> i mean if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and and they need someone to blame yeah i'm sure they could they can get the evidence they need yeah, uh, yeah the idea of being put in prison for something you didn't do just seems yeah, it's like a, it's like you... a, a primal fear almost I mean. yeah you you wonder like am i in a twilight zone how is this yeah. happening to me you know and yeah. carter served a long time in prison he was in prison yeah. for something like 15 years or something yep. I mean, extraordinarily long i mean i wouldn't want to go to prison for a day let alone no. 15 years but uh, said you can see the whole story told in the movie starring denzel washington who did a great performance of course because it's denzel washington but. uh playing <laughs> hurricane carter and they do mention the dylan concert you don't see dylan in the movie 
but or at least they don't get an actor playing him, but they do right. reference the song and, and the, the benefits and everything else. And apparently the one other anecdote I have about this song is at some point in the 80s before Hurricane Carter was released, Dylan was playing a concert in New Jersey and someone close up to the stage requested Hurricane, yelled out Hurricane to you know play hurricane and apparently dylan said something to the effect of don't ask me to play that song in this state you know what this state did to him wow. and we're like wow you know like i would not want to be admonished by bob dylan i think no. that would, make me, <laughs> <laughs> it would feel really horrible yeah, especially uh, from the stage from the stage I, I would be like oh i'm now i'm now the size of of a small doll yeah. i've been reduced to, to had this the greatest songwriter of the second half of the 20th century has just yeah. told me to shut up so i yeah. feel really bad that's the other thing. He didn't really do this song live for all that long. I mean, it is kind of uh, dated, I guess, as far as the story goes. But uh, Yeah, he, he only played the song, uh, according to BobDylan.com, he's only played it 33 times from October 30th, oh, 1975. Oh, more than I thought, actually. Yeah, oh, really? okay, yeah, he did it yeah. from October 30th, 1975 to January 1976, and that was it. Uh, oh. it, was, it was retired. It's been put on a lot of... Uh, uh, greatest hits compilations, and he did do it as part of the Rolling Thunder review. It's, it does appear on the, the Bootleg Series Volume Five, which is the Rolling Thunder review um, CDs. So he, you know, he did it as part of that when it was, you know, it sort of burst very brightly and then not again. He put it away, right. and, and there it was. And so, you know, it's it is it's one of those you know kind of big moments where you know Dylan in the seventies was accused of you know, hey, he had given up doing protest music. He had, you know, turned inward and been doing more personal stuff. And yet here he is. Yeah. Know, this is a protest song. This is as yeah, protesty as you get. Yeah. I mean, now, a lot of uh, Dylan songs I know are political, obviously. But is this, like, one of the few that, like, has, an, like, I guess a, a theme that is so, like, right in your face? Um. Yes and no. I mean, he. There's another song he did in the '60s called "The Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll," which is based mm-hmm. on a true case about a woman named Hattie Carroll who was beaten to death uh, by her her employer. And he sort of posits that case as that you know the the guy got away with it because he was white and Hattie Carroll was black. And huh. the 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 man that he name checks in the song apparently, to his dying breath, said, "I hate that effing Bob Dylan" or something. <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh. Uh, you'd understand that if someone yeah, wrote yeah. a song about you basically saying you were a murderer. But uh, So, yeah, I mean, occasionally Dylan was this explicit. Um, there's another song from the early 70s called George Jackson, which was only released as a single. Uh, it was never put on an album or any greatest hits compilation, which is about a real guy named George Jackson who was, again, wrongly imprisoned. Uh, so, that, so, you know, occasionally Dylan uh, dispensed with metaphor or, you know, any sort of illusion and just directly went for names. You know, these are yeah. the people. And so all the people in this song, you know, Arthur Bello, Dexter Bradley, Patty Valentine, Hurricane Carter, these are all real people, yep. you know, and here they are being, you know, talked about in this mega platform by one of the most popular artists of the of the 20th century. So, but yeah, this one, he, after this, he never really did too much of this hmm. again. This was kind of, I would say, I mean, I can't, 
just off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of any examples where he got this direct right. necessarily. Um, there's a song in the 80s called Julius and Ethel, which is a, a song that he wrote and never appeared on an album, which was about the Rosenbergs, the mm-hmm. spy case. Uh, that's, yep. But that's more of a historical thing because, of course, the Rosenbergs was a thing in the 50s. Right. But this was, <laughs> this was something, you know, this was probably the last time I could think of where Dylan's writing about something that's happening at the moment that the song is out. Uh, and and when he, when Columbia asked him to re-record it, part of the reason it, it stitched together that it's two takes is they wanted to get it done fast and get it yeah. out. They you know he was like time is of the essence. This is this is when it's on people's minds right now, and uh, and so that's why it's you know, generally Dylan did not put songs together that were sort of composites. That was generally antithetical to his you know way of recording. But uh, time was was of the essence. So right. in this version, uh, that's why I got it. And said, apparently, uh, uh, I guess if you're a, a musician, and I am certainly not that, uh, <laughs> apparently if you have a very fine ear, you can hear at the point of the song where it like kicks up a notch into into even faster. I've never quite been able to detect it, not that I'm yeah, I listening uh, to it. I mean, like I said, I've been listening to it for, I don't know why, I, I bought up Greatest Hits of Bob Dylan, and this song was on it. And yeah, I've been listening yeah. to this particular song quite a bit lately, and, and I haven't really picked out where it, it uh, would you could see where it's two takes or not. Yeah. Uh, the only other uh, time I remember hearing it and it was distinctive was, did you ever see the movie uh, Dazed and Confused? Yes. There's a scene in Dazed and Confused where one of the kids goes into a bar and there's a jukebox playing and right over, as soon as the kid enters the bar, Hurricane is playing. <laughs> and I remembered being like, wow, cool, it's a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. And I was like, well, of course, this movie takes place in, you know, yeah. late, in summer 1975, which is when yeah. the song was a hit. So there you go. It's perfect. And you got to use yeah. it on the soundtrack. But one thing I do notice is, like, he doesn't mention the uh, names of the victims of, who, like, who was shot. That's No, he does Like, I don't, I don't know if that's a, a conscious choice or if... Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he just, yeah these people are dead as the, the song starts. Yeah. And then yeah. it just goes on, uh, talking about the people going on from there. But yeah, it's uh, it said for a song that runs seven or eight minutes, it, it moves at an incredible clip. It never gets boring. You get the the, the wordplay that he's got. And the, the fact that he works in so many it's so many speaking parts. I mean, it's, 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 it's a lot to keep track of because it's this person talking and then this person talking and going back and forth. And you have to keep track of... You know, this person is saying this and then going back. You know, it's it's a it's the wordplay is pretty complicated. And yet I think at, at any point you're always pretty clear with who it is that's speaking and who is talking to who. And that that probably is a little bit of the influence of, of Levy, who was, of course, good at this stuff. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's one of the other things that I really like about the song is just, is you, you just know who's talking. And you can picture it all in your head mm-hmm. as to, to like how this would play out even before the movie. So. Yeah, uh, it's 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 yeah. He does a great job as far as storytelling in this song. So, yeah, I mean, all the stuff about the cops leaning on people. Uh, yep. You know, there's a point where they talk about. Remember that murder that happened in a bar. Remember, you said you saw the getaway car. You think you like to play ball with the law? Think it might have been that fighter that you saw running that night. Don't forget that you were white. You know, yeah. you can sort of picture these. You know, the guys leaning in on this guy, on, on <laughs> Arthur Dexter Bradley and trying to. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Didn't he recant his statement, too? I think I one of them he did. did. Yeah. I believe he did. So, yeah. Uh, and one of the other things I will say is uh, he rhyme, he uses the N-word in the song. Yes, he does. Uh, and he uses, it, he uses it as a rhyme, which yes. is, uh, you know, there probably aren't a lot of white artists in, in the Who 70s that could have <laughs> kind of gotten kind of way with that necessarily. But, you know, Bob Dylan... Uh, I don't know. I hate to say, like, you know, 
could get away with that, had license to use it, but clearly right. his intention was clear to anyone. I was going to say, to me, when I hear it in the song, it doesn't offend me. No. Like, it, it's used in a way that it's, it's un, un, I mean, apparently, I'm, I'm not black, so I don't know how offensive that word is to you, if you are, but to me, as uh, someone who's sympathetic with not saying that word and knowing the pain that it would cause, I, I don't get too offended hearing that in this song. It, it just sounds like it's part of the story. Yeah. I mean, it's talk he's referring to, it's like black folks referring to them, referring to who became Carter, you know, like yes. that sort of thing. Yeah. And it was like, okay, yeah. this is them talking amongst each other. And so, but I mean, Dylan was always very careful with his language and very high minded a lot of times with his languages. And when you hear a word like that in one of his songs, it jumps right out of you. You know, yes. you're just like, wow. Well, I mean, okay. You're going to be crazy if you're going to call Bob Dylan a racist for using that word. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so the song, the song ends with it says, "Now all the this is I love the refrain in this thing. It says, now all the criminals in their coats and their ties are free to drink martinis and watch the sunrise." Uh, we're still living through that nowadays. That kind of yep. idea. Well, Ruben, well, Ruben sits like Buddha in a ten foot cell, an innocent man in a living hell, and then he changes to "That's the story of the hurricane." But it won't be over till they clear his name and give him back the time he's done, put in a prison cell. But one time he could have been the champion of the world. And again, I love the the last verse is the change up of the refrain because everything yes. has been all the all the other verses are here is the story of the hurricane, and then he gets right. to the last sto- last verse that was the story That's... of the hurricane. Yeah. And I also like uh, the line that says it won't be over till they clear his name and give him back the time he's done, because. Obviously, they cleared his name, but they're never going to be able to give him back the time he's done. So, I mean, it's pretty much never going to be over. So. Yes, yeah, that's great. It's a, it's a, it's a, Dylan was a, Dylan and Levy had a really fruitful combina- uh, collaboration. They didn't yeah. they didn't pursue it anything past this record for whatever reason. But the song, most of the songs on Desire are story songs. And so it really was uh, quite an interesting, uh, you know, duo they made. Uh, the second song, Isis, is another eight-minute story song, and there's a uh, another one called um, Black Diamond Bay, which is an, an amazing story song. So Dylan apparently and, and Levy really were in simpatico, and it's, it's interesting that uh, in Dylan's ever restless spirit, he never wants to do the same thing twice. He didn't go back to Levy; he went on and did Street Legal after this, which was written all by himself. So this is just this sort of one-album collaboration with this guy and. And uh, they produced a bunch of amazing songs, and then never again. So, yeah, well, <laughs> you do it once, why do it again, right? I yeah. guess so. That, seems, that tends to be Bob's attitude. And Desire was a big hit. It was a number one record. Yep. It was a very popular album, and, and it, it, to me, it holds up very well. There's a lot of songs I still listen to it. And Hurricane is said it's still it's a, it's a terrific, terrific song. Yeah, it's very. Again, as for as dark as the song is, it's very, very catchy and sing-alongable. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> to, to, to use a uh, clumsy phrase, it is very yes, long. Yes. So, um, so I think that's going to do it for for Hurricane uh, Corey. Thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. Man, this is really this is really cool. This was again not one that I. I think I say this almost every episode. I should, <laughs> but like this wasn't one that I would think anybody would want to talk to. And then you out of the blue, you were like, "Has anybody asked about Hurricane?" I was like, "No." Do you want to do it? You're like, oh, okay, great. Let's do this. Talk yeah. about Hurricane. So, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. It was great. No problem. It was a great pleasure. And like I said, it was a dream come true to be on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. So. <laughs> Cross it off the bucket list. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so where can people find you on the internet? Well, I have a blog at chodgeton.blogspot.com. That's where you can find all my artwork. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at H-Y-E-R-O-C, at Higher Rock, and on Facebook. 
Very cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Thanks, Rob. Uh, if you want to find the show, it's this and all of our other great shows are on the network site, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. And you can find the show over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Corey, thanks so much for coming on. Great talking to you. And uh, until the next episode, I guess we will see you later. Bye. Shots ring out in a barroom night Into Betty Valentine from the upper hall She sees a bartender in a pool of blood Cries out, my God, they've killed them all Here comes the story of the hurricane The man the authorities came to blame For something that he never done Put in a prison cell, but what? Champion of